Welcome to the ATF Podcast. In this episode, Patrick Adams, the president of ATF Magazine, speaks with Steve Crane. Steve is the manager at the Tinderbox at Easton in Columbus, Ohio. Steve is also the host of the Bourbon and BS Podcast. In this episode, they dig into how Steve got his start into the cigar industry, what sets his shop apart from the rest, the story behind their house brand, BS Cigars, and how Steve is pursuing the American dream today. Check out the Bourbon and BS podcast, and if you're ever in the Columbus, Ohio area, be sure to stop in and say hi to Steve at the Tinderbox. Until then, enjoy the episode. Mr. Steve Crane, I am excited to have you on board today. What's going on in Columbus, Ohio today, besides it being hotter than hell? Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> not much for a Monday. It's uh, we have the hot temperatures right now. My uh, my studio is not in an air conditioned office like it looks like you're in right now. I could do that, but the thing is, I can't smoke. Or I could. It's my house, but I just don't uh, choose to. So we smoke in the garage. We do our podcast in the garage, and uh, today it just happens to be ninety two degrees and i don't know what the humidity is but it's can i curse on this show i can't remember absolutely a thousand percent we're we're red-blooded americans here god damn it it's fucking hot here and fucking humid and it's miserable <laughs> this is the second shirt during the setup i had a blue one of these on went inside when i was restarting everything put a red one on i've already got a ring around my collar so might as well light See, up have a that, glass that'll, that'll teach you to wear black just drink more bourbon yeah that's gonna help and being bald as you know doesn't help because all it does is just stream down your head Oh, my God. Well, you know, I, I kept telling you, you need to move to Southern California where all these uh, screaming liberal lunatics are. But at least we got the weather, right? You've got the weather. I'll agree with you on, on, on the weather. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll just we'll just leave that discussion there. Yeah. So uh, so for the uh, the benefit of the audience, uh, Steve Crane is a, a man of uh, many talents and passions who I've known for quite a while. I'm uh, I'm honored to uh, call him a friend uh, and an inspiration, and and truly uh, just just one of those guys who I know is a brother. He's uh, he's one of those stand up American guys uh, that uh, bleeds red, white, and blue, and uh, he's also one of those guys that uh, when the shit hits the fan at two o'clock in the morning, I know that he'd answer his phone. So uh, so with that, uh, Steve, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, thank you. So, uh, so before we get into, um, you know, the shop and, and the many other things that you're involved in, I always like to start the show off kind of anchored back to uh, what it is that we're doing at, uh, at ATF. And uh, I know you know about this because you're actually, I, I, I believe, if memory serves, well over a decade ago, you're, you're the first person I ever talked to this idea about. So, uh so I know yeah. that you have a photographic memory, and of course, <laughs> all of our conversations are so meaningful that I know that you remember every word of them. But, I do uh, remember you bringing this up, and when we talked on the phone, I remember that conversation. Um, obviously, not to a T, but I do remember the, the concept, and I think it's really amazing that you've gotten this far at this point. Yeah. It, uh, so, so I always like to, to start off um, with three of the same questions to everybody. And, and it's, uh, it's been an interesting uh, streak as to what the answers have been to these. So, so we'll start off with the first one. Um, right. Do you remember your first tobacco experience? 
<clears throat> tobacco experience would probably be there's two and it's not if i i don't know if you mean this in a certain way or if it's that open-ended of a question but um i would say the two would be the fact that my dad uh smoked probably two packs of benson hedges a day um so growing up that was you know it was back i'm sure people do it now but it was back in the day when you know um he had an ashtray at every chair, you know, at, at right. a chair in, in the um, the family room. There was a kitchen ashtray. There was a master bath ashtray. There was a, you know, one in his den. There was, I mean, he had it. We, he, my, most of my life, growing, like he actually had the car before me, you know, 79 Lincoln Town car that had the his and her ashtrays up front. And both of them were stuffed with Benson and Hedges. I don't know when he, if he ever emptied that ashtray or either of them, but you know, it was one of those things that you, I was raised uh, around cigarettes um, and I've never smoked cigarettes, but that was right. when you asked my tobacco side of things that, and then my grandfather on my, on my mom's side uh, always had a pipe in his mouth. I mean, my memory yeah. of, of grandpa Zyder is, is, um, mixture number 79 pipe tobacco at all times. I mean, again, yeah. much like my dad with cigarettes, he was with a pipe. So, and then, and then do you remember the first time you tried tobacco? You know, I, 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 I don't have the best memory going back that far, but I would say, I think it was actually when I went and visited my brother in college and, uh, I was still in high school and they were doing you know, cheaper cigars. And I tried, I tried one, never really got into it. And then at some point after graduating, I started smoking cigars occasionally and then started smoking a little bit more. And, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm, I know a lot of people have that first one. I was like, Oh, I was on a beach or I was 12 years old and I smoked my, you know, my right. uncle's pipe. I don't, I don't have one of those stories. I just, just kind of became part of my, my everyday life at this point. Just, yeah. Right. Yeah um what about your first alcohol experience do you remember your first drink communion wine probably <laughs> uh, <laughs> blood of christ um <laughs> no i i didn't drink until i was 21 uh i had very you're a few, good well, you're I, a good ohio boy see? something like that good, <laughs> good lutheran boy um my brother who's two years older still doesn't drink he never has and so um, I, yeah, I started, so you're a real, you're a real heathen of the family. Uh, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm the one that, uh, brings the booze. So, uh, I don't really have, again, it's, it, I know it sounds boring, but it's just, uh, I remember more my, my experiences with other people with alcohol and your typical college experiences where I was helping clean up the puke and put people to bed and, um, you know, bringing them. Gatorade in the morning you know after that I just occasionally drank and and uh, now I probably drink too much depending on who you ask never no no hey I, I mean you seem coherent you're not slurring so I don't think you have a problem yeah watch the end of some of our podcasts <laughs> all right so last question um do you remember your first experience with a firearm firearm so I'm not uh, I think we talked about it. I'm not the biggest firearm guy no uh, I, uh, I'd say, I think my first, first actually shooting a, uh, it was a handgun and believe it or not, it was in Southern California where you're at. Uh, I was visiting on, on the 405 freeway in self-defense. No, doubt. yeah, something like that. No, I was, <laughs> I went to a shooting range. I was visiting a friend out there who now lives back in Ohio. 
but uh, we went to a shooting range and uh, his good friend who had stayed with a little bit, the reason he was kind of out there was a, uh, a gentleman who was in charge of government welding contracts. And so anyways, that's why he was out there doing that. And when we visited, he was a part of the Laotian army, I think at some point before he came to the States. So we went to the shooting range and I learned all about it. So that was, I mean, I was, I was in my early twenties at that point. Yeah. Guns yeah. weren't really a big part of my family. And I, I think I later found out probably why, but I, we don't really want to get into that, but there was yeah. a, a family history thing that I didn't know about growing up, but uh, we didn't really have firearms in, in the yeah. house. And so I think that's just kind of how people are raised sometimes that they either do or don't have that stuff, but yeah, my family's not one of them. Yeah. I got you. You know, it, um, the, the reason I asked this is that, uh, you know, of course I'd leave it to you, you know, my good friend to break the streak that we have going here of memorable experiences. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but the thing that's interesting about all three of these things is that, um, you know, they, they, they usually form pretty vivid memories. And, and you know, e even if it isn't memories of the first time, yeah. Um, you know, and even guys like you and me that, you know, I, I mean, smoking cigars certainly isn't safe for a special occasion unless we just consider every day special, which I do. <laughs> That's uh, right. That, um, you know, they're, they're, they're usually centered around experiences, right? Like we're getting together with the buddies. Um, we're celebrating, we're mourning, um, you know, obviously the firearm element isn't always involved in all of those things, but, um, they're, uh, they're almost communal things. Right. So, um, and, and it's one of the things that I love most about the shop that you run, um, Tinderbox Easton that, you know, for, you know, for a little cigar shop, it punches way, way, way above its weight class. Um, you've got a really unique place there that, uh, that I've spent countless hours at and, right. uh, and, and what always struck me about that place was, and, and, you know, I, I don't want to say, you know, that I, I had smoked cigars, you know, plenty before that, but, um, I don't know that I ever fully appreciated cigars until I met you. And, and I still remember the first time that I came into the shop, I was out there, uh, I was out there on an assignment and I was out there for an extended period of time and kind of feeling a little homesick, missing my, my wife at the time. And, uh, and she's still my wife, by the way, uh, she's Good. still with us. It was at that time you were missing her. I got <laughs> at yeah, that yeah. time I was missing my wife. Yes. Thank you. And, uh, and I walked in and you were there and, uh, and the first question you asked me is, uh, what, you know, what, what do you prefer to smoke? Like what's your favorite cigar? <clears throat> and, and I, I didn't see it. You know, so I was kind of wondering, you know, why is this guy asking me what my, you know, you don't, you, I already know you don't have it. And, uh, but you immediately rattled off five or six different cigars that you said that I would love. If you love this, then you will love these. And, and then certainly over the time that I spent in the shop, um, you know, you did that over and over and over again, but the Rolodex was completely different based on whatever the person's answer was. And I just thought, my God, you know, like, A, this guy's a, a walking encyclopedia, you know, and, and I think I even joked with you, if there was such a thing as a sommelier for cigars, you would be it. Um, 
but but the other thing that impresses me about the shop so much, and this is what I wanted to talk about first with you, is you know what do you think it is about cigars that that just brings people of all walks of life together that sit down and have amazing non-confrontational conversations about a whole host of things like the the range of topics of conversations i've had with people in your shop um you know everything from you know fortune 500 ceos you know to truck drivers and everything in the middle and people on the left and people on the right and and everything in between and you know those things never come up in the conversation um, we talk about life. We talk about values. Like, why? Why do you think that is? What is it about cigars that do that? I think you'll and you'll probably hear this from from more than just me throughout your your interviews with people that are into cigars or they smoke cigars, they enjoy it, they're in that business. I know you just had an interview, or you know, with uh, an individual in the um, the cigar industry. It's one of his businesses, but I think it's it's a pretty common agreement i think between everyone is that it's the you're taking time to sit down uh if you're doing it in a shop you you get out of it what you want you can sit and smoke alone you can be polite you can just kind of you know pull out your phone put your headphones in do whatever but if you do sit down in the close proximity of someone else you're smoking cigars you already have a common bond you have a common interest whether it be for just that moment whether you smoke six cigars a day whether you smoke one cigar every other month or if you're only on, you know traveling for business like you were whatever that is you you are actually are slowing down for the moment because the typical cigar is going to last you around 60 minutes i'd say you know it's all dependent on the size you can smoke the little cigarillos you can smoke a churchill or a now they make uh you know nine by 90 asylum cigars makes a nine by 90 it's ridiculous it was supposed to be an april fool's joke and then people started asking for it so now they they make it um but regardless it's it's the interaction right so most of the time we're, we're either you know on our phones you know you're constantly just doing this and and you're purposely or not purposely zoned in right here on your phone uh, even when you're in the presence of other people so actually sitting down, it's kind of like a bar, but you're not necessarily, if you're not drinking, you're, you're not going to be inebriated. You're just going to be in the, the typical state that you're going to be in when you walk in the door. So it, it's a common bond that you actually have the interest in cigars. So there's already a, a, an icebreaker. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the big part of it. A lot of times when you're just sitting down, it takes effort. If you're sitting down in an airport next to someone waiting on the only you know thing that you have in common there is that you're traveling that day. But even that, what do you do? Where are you headed? Right. If you want to start a conversation, a lot of people these days don't give a fuck and they don't want to do it. They just like they don't want to talk to you even more so now after the last couple of years. But now it's if you're back out and about, I feel like if you're sitting with people smoking a cigar, you've committed time at that point. So you're going to be in the proximity of that person, whether it's someone you know or someone you don't know. Yeah, you're, you're in it. And they're in it. Right. <laughs> if you're going to be sitting next to someone for 60 minutes, it's not like a waiting room. You know what I mean? Like there's not like you might as well talk to someone. Right. Well, it is it is something, you know, very, very unique to, you know, in my experience and, and cigars. And and I think firearms fall into this. I, I mean, you know, there's there's alcoholics from from all walk of life, you know, present company included. But um uh, you know, I think, you know, both firearms and, and cigars, um, 
you know, there there is this common bond, and I almost wonder if there's there's more kind of shared common values or you know those those core foundational values. You know, because I always find, you know, it's it's hard to find somebody who uh, who hates America who smokes cigars, for example, um, right? I, I mean, most. Yeah, I'm sure they're out there. There's Democrats that smoke cigars. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not even saying that. I mean, like, it, it, there's, there are some people in our shop that, that are, I would consider, falling more to the left. I'm not saying they hate America. It's just not the, I think, the what you're talking about. Because even though they smoke cigars, it's... Right. I'm sorry, I interrupted. I, I can comment on that in a moment. No, 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 no. I, I, I think that's exactly where we're going. And, and I mean, to me... Um, you know, and, and, and the reason that we're, we're doing this is, is to tell, you know, I mean, number one, this is, uh, what we call an American lifestyle magazine. It's about, um, you know, really that the American dream is still alive and well, that there's still a lot of people out there, you know, especially in these industries, not the 800 pound gorillas. I mean, we're not interested in corporate America, um, you know, in, in these industries, but there's a lot of great inspirational stories of people that are following their passion um you know and in this case you know not just fighting the normal business challenges of competition and economy and all the other things but you know in some cases fighting you know a bureau of the american government assigned to regulate and control and you know create a whole bunch of unnecessary steps in some cases but um you know the the focus my my focus with this is is not this being a left or a right magazine. Um, it isn't promoting an agenda. And as I tell everybody, I don't subscribe to gang warfare. And and I think that you know political parties have become weaponized. Um, yeah. I know what I believe, and I know that by far and large, the the bulk of people that I come across, whether they're friends or or just people that I meet for the first time, if I ask them the top five things you're willing to lay down your life for, what would they be? And, and I think regardless of what side of that fence you're on, we have more in common than we don't in the most important things. And, and I think that the media is just spending a lot of time amplifying the voices of the extreme 10% on each side of the aisle. So, so we, you know, we, I, I don't feel the need to get into politics or pick a side because I think that the majority of America is still good and the majority of America still loves America. And we may disagree about some of the little things, but I think we all believe that, you know, we love our families. We love our God. We love this country. Uh, we want to do, you know, better than our parents and we want to equip our kids to do better than us. Um, you know, and we enjoy the freedom and the opportunities that those have died, you know, fighting to protect, um, you know, the ability to do exactly that, um, you know, and be rewarded based on how hard we're willing to work. Yeah. I, and I think I, I, I think we all agree with that. Yeah. I mean, not like you said, you don't want to get into politics a whole lot. The, the issue is, is that at this point it has been polarized. Uh, it always has been, but it's even more so now. And it's it, it's easy to sensationalize a particular issue. Um, for example, right now, um, you know, when all the stuff was talking, you know, we we're obviously the two major things right now, among others are, you know, abortion and, and, and gun control. 
and I, I refrain from people that I know on both sides of the, the thing that I know on social media, whether I'm close friends with them or not, or if just, you know, social media friends, I, the only thing I want to lash out about is like, these are not, these shouldn't be in the same conversation. Right. You know, a, a vaccine and an abortion don't need to be in the same conversation. Like these echo chambers that people are in are absolutely insane when you look at it, because if you are a pro choice and a pro gun person, who do I vote for? <laughs> exactly. That's, that's the problem there. It's like, you can't, like, if I'm talking about like abortion, well, then all of a sudden the memes are all about, or like the, the, the sayings, the tweets and all that shit are all about. Then they bring in abortion with gun control and gun control with abortion. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, why are you even, why is this the same conversation? Talk about right. this. Then you right. talk about this. Don't tell me like, Oh, if you think this, you then obviously don't think this. I'm like, the fuck I don't like, what are you talking about? You right. know, so I look at this, the, the ATF, you do have a lot of that stuff. It's like when we talked about in the, the cigar shop, the one nice thing is that you, you can actually have a little bit of a breakdown because not everyone is completely like-minded because if you were going to tow the far 10% over here and the far 10% over here, well, now all of a sudden you got to like, well, if you believe all that stuff based on what I'm seeing on your candidates, like why the fuck are you smoking right now? You should right. not be smoking because they think that's bad and they're trying to go after that and they're trying to eliminate or at least like tax the shit out of this. You should be pissed off of that. But I allow that because I'm like, it isn't that simple. Yeah. You know, you are voting for people that they represent you on these issues, but this issue they don't. And I think that's what's so nice about when you go back to that initial question is about the cigar shop is that you, you have already that common interest. And I think people anymore you look at your neighborhoods like i'm good friends i've lived at this at this street at this address for for three years now and i've got really good friends across the street two different houses like there's two couples we go we go to concerts we hang out we invite each other to other things that shit doesn't happen anymore because it's like everyone is so concerned with strangers they've never met because that's the greater good that they can't even get their own household in check. They don't care about their neighbors. They don't care about the people that they should, as much as they spend waking hours worrying about fucking tweeting about Ukraine or issues that are global or, you know, strangers that are met in some, you know, random city, 18 states away. It's like, what, why are you right. spending all your time on that? And not the fact, like, why is the divorce rate so high? Because you don't fuck, like, you're so worried about everything else. Like right. get your house in check, get yourself in check. Sorry, exactly. you got me started. I'm only on my No, but you know what, man? This is uh, this is what I miss, and this is exactly why I wanted to have you on the show. Is yeah. um, you're gonna enjoy Wednesday when you're on on my show. I I, I can't wait. You know, it's um, you know, it's authentic. That that's what it is. You know, there's 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 no bullshit. Right. And and it, it's okay to believe what you believe. And it's okay if I don't completely agree with everything that you just said. I do. But <laughs> even if I didn't, like, it's still cool. And, and in fact, I, I mean, there's been plenty of conversations we've had over the years in the shop that, you know, we didn't completely see to eye to eye, but we had enough respect for each other to sit and listen Absolutely. and respect what the other person was saying long yeah. enough that, you know, at least half the time when you were talking, you know, I kind of sat back and I thought, you know, I never saw it that way. Yeah. You know what? Like maybe I think I agree with that. Actually. I, I never considered that perspective. 
and why why is it what is the the basis of what brought that on it's the fact that you actually took the time to have a conversation we are in a day and age where because of not just social media but because it's so there's so much anger out there towards each other if you have that that tweak of a different opinion that you think they have right it's the fact you you're not talking at people that that is such a big thing these days is that i'm I'm telling you my points. And if you interject, no, you're wrong already. And this is why this is my, these are my talking points. This is my, my moment. And this could be over like waiting in line for fucking coffee. Right. I mean, I've never met you before, but you look a certain way or say you're wearing like an NRA hat, right. In the, the context of this, or once ATF gets big, you got an ATF shirt on, you know what I mean? And they're like, Oh, you're one of them. What, is, what right. do you mean? I just, I'm, yeah. I'm just trying to get a, 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 a mocha latte, cappuccino, whatever with you, you know, like call that black I think, coffee. I think I would judge you more for your drink order at Starbucks. I drink black coffee, but I'm just saying. All right. I'm just checking. Making sure you're <laughs> still all right, buddy. Nice. So listen, let's um, let's shift gears a little bit because, what you know, one of the things that I've always admired about you, your... Um, you know, I, I like to refer to people like you as kind of a renaissance man. You've you've done and tried a lot of things. You're you're certainly capable of being successful in anything that you tried um, and and aspire to do. And, and we'll even talk about some of those things that you've jumped Appreciate into and that. turned into wild successes. Um, but you you followed your passion. I mean, you know, you're, you're passionate about cigars and lifestyle cigars, and you formed a career out of that. And, you know, I, you know, I sit here and I shake my head a lot at the current generation who still, you know, lives with their parents at 35 because they just haven't found their passion yet. Um, you know, but you're a guy at an early age, um, realized what you wanted to do and, and you've created a, a career out of it. Um, tell, tell me about, um, you know, both the temptations as well as the drives to, to do what you've done. Cause I mean, certainly you're a, you're a brilliant guy. You're capable of, of anything. I'm sure you've had countless offers and temptations to go into, you know, just jobs that have big money checks thrown at you, but, you know, not you, as many as you think, but I, <laughs> I don't believe it. I know you better than that. So the, um, the issue, um, what I think, so I was born in 1980, uh, which was a unique, I feel like my brother was born in 78 being a product of that time. This is a generation, especially when you talk about like millennials and you talk about, you know, whatever the gen uh, Y gen X shit, Z, all that stuff. We were in that that period where like even when you looked at it initially when the millennial thing came up like 80 to 83 was like this like no man's land it was kind of like you're your parents kids but at the same time it's like you also at whatever eight ten years old you wanted a nintendo more than you wanted life you know what i mean like this was like we were in this transition of where we have gotten to now so i think there was a a sense of loyalty that i think my age bracket has that was even more so before and is not there now it's starting to come back so you talk about you know like kids that are you know in their 20s and they're living at home it's like well now we've we've actually forced that going forward for the next at least five ten years because of the housing market you know what i mean you can't you can't do that i mean you just can't i mean there's no way you can afford unless you live i mean we're going to that level of 
people don't want to talk about, you know, again, politics, but it's like, if you want to go to these, these extremes of everything and people making what they're making, you're going to have roommates until you're 40. And you might right. even have like families with two or three families living in a house. That's just the way it works. We're turning into our own level of immigrants in our own country. If you, if you look at it that way. Um, but for me, it was like, I, I had a college job cause I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was a sociology major. I went to Miami university in Ohio, great school. Uh, great education. I w wouldn't do it again, based on I had great experiences, but knowing what college costs now and to do that for a liberal arts degree, even though it framed my mind, which is what I thought college was or university was supposed to do. It just doesn't do it anymore. I mean, it's you should I mean, right. job training is necessary. So I was uh, in the moving and storage industry because I was a mover in college. And then I was offered a job in management there. Uh, when I graduated. So I came back home, my brother was getting married. So I came back home. But I lived at home for six months, because I was waiting for a buddy to find like find a job back here. I would have been ready. I, I started work six days after graduating. Right. It wasn't one of those things where it was like, Oh, I'm just gonna figure myself out. It's like, no, it's next. Okay, next step was college. Now, now it's now it's work. Right? I want to be in the moving and storage industry. Not really. It wasn't like really a passion is what I knew. So then I moved my way up through that over a decade from doing uh, operations, claims, fleet management, sales and marketing, got dabbled in HR, but everything else I was in charge of at some point, and then I was the GM. And then I didn't see eye to eye with the, the owners of the, the company. It was a franchise system. We were doing you know, $6 million a year operation. We had 30 trucks. So it was a great, busy, busy franchise. Yeah. And then I got fired after a conference call because Apparently, even though we were hitting all the goals, it wasn't the direction they wanted to go. Let's put it that way. Corporate America, buddy. It was a small dose of corporate America. And um, there's a part of me that I wish now I could go back to that scenario, knowing what I know now, right. just like anything, right? With, with business relationships and everything else. But then I was actually helping out Brian Joyce, who's a friend of mine. You know, Brian He's the owner of the Tinderbox at Easton in Columbus, Ohio. He's owned it since 99. So we've been there for 22, 23 years. And he, uh, he was like, Hey man, like this is while I was a GM. I was, I was just making, uh, at that time, six figures for the first time in my life. And he's like, Hey, you're up here a lot of Friday nights. Like, do you think you could like help out? And I was like, hell yeah. I want to work in a cigar shop. <laughs> <laughs> like I had the time, but at the same time, I'm like, all right. So I was working six hours a month there helped started planning events that he hadn't done in a while because I felt like it was something fun to do. And I like going to the events. And then it was in December about, you know, a few months later, I got let go from the, my, my career. And so over the holiday season, he gave me some more hours and then he approached me. He had actually approached me before said, Hey, I'm looking for someone to kind of help, um, help run this and grow it with me. I'm at that point. He's like, I'm just curious what you make. And I said, you can't afford me because <laughs> he couldn't right then all of a sudden life happens and now it's he's like let me let me look at what i can afford and let's scrape something together because i was looking at you know monster indeed all those those job sites and it was like all right logistics i had a non-compete in the moving industry and it was like all right he gave me an offer and i said oh uh it was a lot less but i said all right let's 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 see what we can grow yeah, that was my big thing. It's like, all right, you, you got me now. Let's see what we can grow. And we started off just just busting through. It was great. I had fun with it. It was weird not dressing up for work. You know, the first time I put on jeans to go to work since I was, you know, 
18 or whatever. Yeah. It was big. And then since then, we've just kind of plugged away and we've, we've had a great success. It's one location. We have a, just under a thousand square feet. And on a slow day, we have 150 customers. Yeah. That's a slow day. Um, yeah. We have a lot of fun. There are slower days. I mean, <laughs> there are yeah. days where we're just like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, what? where is everyone? <laughs> But um, it's 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 something that we've been able to do things like the BS Cigar Company, which is a little side thing that everyone says, oh, you should expand it. And I know you just talked to, to Matt, right? And he'd be the first to tell you how many cigars you have to actually sell to actually make money off of it. Yeah. Kind of from a pet project to an actual business. Right. Um, but we've had fun with that, with the Smoking Tent event. We've done that. And those are all things that when I came in, Brian, I think, had some hopes to do some more than just show up to work and do a retail operation. He, he wanted it. And he's gone through his ups and downs, as anyone does in a, in a career that he's been doing for 20-plus years. It, you know, they always say, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And that's absolutely bullshit because everything becomes <laughs> a job at some point. <laughs> everything becomes a job. You're going to have a bad day. You're not going to want to, I mean, there was a, there was a time where it's like, he, he might kill me for saying this, but he, he and I were sitting there and he's like, if I don't have to talk to another customer in my life, I'll be happy. And I said, well, <laughs> if you're not going to be a hands-off owner, yeah. you're going to have to deal with it. And I mean, that's one of those things where it became a job. It became it yeah. became work. It's not, everyone thinks that being a business owner or being like in the cigar business or doing what you're doing, like running a magazine, like these are like glorified things. Yeah. It's work. Well, yeah. It's better, I, I mean, better I, than I, digging I tell, ditches, but some people yeah. like doing that. I, I mean, you know, I, I, I talk to young people, some of them even, you know, part of my own extended family, you know, that are at that age and they're just like, you know, they have a glorified sense of, of what my life is. Number one, like, Oh my God, you know, like, how did you find your passion? Like, you're so lucky to get to do this every day. And I sit there like, you know, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I I'm, I'm glad it looks so glamorous to you, but you know, I, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's hurting cats on a normal day. Yeah. And like, th this isn't, you know, and, and I remember one, one of them asked me, um, you know, we were talking about that and, you know, they assume, and I said, what you, you think I always dreamed of, of running a media company? Like, you think this is what my passion is? And they looked at me surprised and, and they go, well, it's not then, then what is? I said, you know what, honestly, in my entire life, I've never given it 30 seconds of fucking thought. You, you, you know what I was, you know what my passion was? My, my passion was getting the fuck out of my house and making my own money and creating my own life so that I could provide for my own family. Absolutely. That's what I was passionate about. And yeah. when I was 11 and got my first job and got handed a check and I looked at the check and I'm like, are you fucking serious? Like I, 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 you, you're giving me money. Okay. Like right on. So for me, like that, that never stopped. And obviously as time's gone on, you know, the, the things that I get to do for that money have gotten better and better. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, at the end of the day, I think, you know, f find your passion in serving, you know, find your passion in doing a good job for somebody, um, you know, and, and working hard yeah. um, in trying to impact the lives of other people. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that, they, you know, and I, we're already getting past it, but 
in the last five years, it was a really glorified thing of being an entrepreneur, right? You know, it's like, oh, you know, and you know, when Instagram was getting big and you saw all these posts and stuff like that. And then you find out that people are like literally posting in front of someone else's car or someone else, you know, they're like living, like living the lifestyle of an entrepreneur. And it's like, fuck, that is not the, the life of an entrepreneur. And you asked, you know, before we started, it's like, haven't you, you know, haven't you bought out Brian yet? I'm like, I, I love working for a guy that he did all the hard work. <laughs> he made all the sacrifices. And at this point, in my forties, it's like, well, if I buy him out, I got to take out a loan. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, how do I afford my house? Well, now I'm in my forties and I'm the one that's not taking a paycheck. It's like, right. That, that's a young man's game. If you don't have investors or if you, if you don't have that, that, backing where you're like, all right, I'm going to close out my 401k so that I can start this business and gamble again. You know what I mean? It's, there's a lot of different ways to do it, but I think it is a glorified thing. And there's nothing wrong in my opinion of being the right hand man and absolutely not making someone else more money and in turn hope that you get that. Now, if you don't get that reciprocation and you have to remind that person, that's, that's fine because again, they have their own path yeah. you have your path and hopefully they're all coming together but it's like it's got to be a communication and you have to work for someone or be that person that people work for you that everyone's working together and i learned that right. in my last career was that yes the people that when i was the gm i had 120 employees and it's like they they do work in a sense for you but you work for them as well right and you have to remember there is that 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 dynamic on both sides of it. You can't just, you know, the, the bosses that are like, Oh no, I work for them. It's like, until they don't do what the mission is. And then you have to put on the hat of like, you right. do work for me. It's not your company. It's not your mission statement. It's not your, your goals anymore. Like it is mine for everyone else involved. Cause if yeah. you fuck it up, then we're all screwed. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, you've, you've done a great job there, you know, in, you know, and I, I'm sure, you know, together with Brian, um, in, in doing a lot of things that, you know, that most shops don't do, you know, right. so, so you've mentioned a few of them. Um, you know, I, I remember actually coincidentally when I was out there, I believe, um, you know, and I was out there for an extended period of time solo on a project. And, uh, I believe that was when you had the first smoking tent event. Yes. And, and so tell me about, <clears throat> what led to the smoking tent event and, and what it's become other than, you know, the being, uh, in, invaded there in your garage. Uh, uh, the, the smoking tent event is so, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of shops, bigger shops will put on, um, or collaboration shops will put on a, a multi-vendor event and a lot of industries people do that but in the cigar industry it's tough because again depending on how big you are there's some big boys you know that can do it because they have multiple locations they are multi multi-million dollar operations they spend a shit ton so the companies are like yeah what do you need we'll do it right where we came in <clears throat> the first time we did it our neighbor is a, an Irish pub. It's called Fado Irish pub and restaurant. So if you guys, depending on where you're at, they've got several locations, but Fado is, is like a second home. It's amazing that where we're at uh, Easton town center is a, one of the first outdoor malls in the country is a concept that has succeeded tremendously. It's amazing. And yeah, it is, it is, it is a, it's like its own little town. We just had Bobby Newman in town from uh, JC Newman. First time he was there. 
and uh, Dan Liebold, the rep for uh, Fuente Cigar and, and JC Newman was bringing him into to the area. And he's like, is this like a suburb? And this is a guy, you know, it's, it, it, generational JC Newman cigar company is huge, right. huge. And uh, so he's coming in town for the first time. And, and uh, Dan's like, no, this is a mall. He's like, he couldn't believe it. Yeah. And then he comes in and all of a sudden, like there's this foot traffic on a weekday at our store. And he's like, what is like, like a lot of people the first time, like what is going on here? Uh, Fido Irish pub is, is a great uh, neighbor of ours. Good friends. I've spent many, uh, you've spent many of, you know, days and nights on the, the patio, drinking whiskey, smoking cigars. And, uh, so they do a St. Patrick's day party, Irish pub, they do a St. Patrick's day party every year. When I started with Brian, we had started talking about it. He had kind of the idea of, wouldn't it be nice type of a thing? My connections between Fido and now with Tinderbox, I was able to help out Brian and Fido use their tent for a night. They weren't using it. And we started the first time we had, I think, 10 companies. We had about probably 130 people show up the first time. We sold tickets. First, like, it was like you buy it for $75, you get 10 cigars, buy it for whatever it was, $50, you get five cigars. And it was four yeah. hour event at night. It was cool. The owner of the pub came over to me and was like, we got to we gotta do this every year now. And so then we started planning it. And it was a all day event and it's expanded every 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 year um we do 10 to 15 different companies now we have vip tickets that are you know over 200 dollars. we have general admission that's 150 dollars, and you know we've peaked at 300 guests and then now we're trying to float between 225 and 250 just for exclusivity and yeah. we have a good time i mean it's 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 a lot of fun the pub puts on they have their own bar you know obviously so that helps out and they're able to do a, the, the the cash bar for us the, there's usually some drink tickets the buffet is off the charts anyone in the cigar industry that has heard of our event has probably heard that the food is better than any other event cigar event uh, eric espinosa is a good friend of mine uh actually does our bs silver which i'm not smoking right now but the bs silver is a blend through espinosa cigars and and he's just every year, you know, I remember I went out and saw him at cigar fest every after he had been to the smoking tent event. First thing out of his mouth was, you know, what's up, bro. He's a bro guy. He's Miami, right? Cuban. He says, what's up, bro. He's like food here is shit. It's nothing like your guys's. I mean, it's like one of those things like you, you, you don't know what you're going to, <laughs> what you're going to be known for right. a cigar event with like lamb and crab cakes and, and like a, a amazing chili and like all this stuff. Like you, it's a, it's amazing what you find out, but it's a fun event that we've gone way above. You say like the shop is punching above our weight class, that event, all oh, we yeah. hear from, from everyone in the industry. It's, you know, we basically, we have six employees and we run an event that houses 10 to 15 different vendors and has, uh, you know, anywhere between two and 300 people to attend. And we, yeah. we, we have a regular staff of six people, including myself and, and Brian, the owner. And the shop stays open during the and event. The shop so, stays so open. somebody's got to man the shop during. That's right. Too. We have former employees come back. We have people that are close to us that aren't even cigar smokers that volunteer to help out. But I mean, we really run that event with Fido's help uh, with a total of less than 20 people. 
Yeah, it's amazing. It, yeah. It, it's amazing. And and my only complaint about it, Steve, is you hold it the day before my freaking wife's birthday. You know, we had someone come in, if you know the name, Ray Cheshire. Do you remember that name? Yeah, of course. Ray Cheshire lives in uh, Vietnam now, and he literally was planning a trip to the U.S. for the first time in several years. He and his wife, Jane, attended the event this year, this March, after we had not been doing it for three years because of COVID and every all that bullshit. Um, so I'm just saying, be nice to get away for your wife's birthday and just you know plan a trip and you know maybe hit a couple spots. Columbus being one of them. We have a new Gucci store opening. I don't know if she likes Gucci. I don't, I don't know. But then so, you, so, you get so, a party so, all day. So I, I go to my wife and I say, "Baby, I I I've, I've, I've planned this special." surprise birthday trip for us for your birthday correct and then and then just let it hang there so that mentally she can start imagining all the exotic i will get to. what's your and wife's name shelly shelly that's right i will get about 300 people singing happy birthday to shelly on uh saint patrick's day weekend in a tent in a that tent, we throw a party a tent full of cigar smoke I mean, just saying. <laughs> Which really you're gonna get 300 people that sing Happy Birthday. I don't think so. Normal day. Yeah, I like it. I, I I think I'm gonna execute that plan. Um, so so you you mentioned you know when we were talking about the ten event and you actually held it up on the table, um, you know because apparently you don't have enough to do between right. all the different things that you do. Right. You you went off and and created your own cigar. So you and Brian together collaborated you know tell, tell me about well, like what led to that uh so brian had done a uh, a lot of a lot of cigar shops will do like a house brand and a lot of a lot of cigar shops will not going to talk bad about it but i mean do like a cheap like a bundled cigar or whatever you know what i mean like they get it for cheap and then they charge a couple extra bucks so they make some money off of it and that's where they, they look at it Brian had worked with a company called Tropical Cigars, which then turned into Casa Fernandez, which now has turned into Aganorsa Leaf. Before I had been there, and he had done a El Toro of Easton cigar, what he thought he wanted and all that stuff. He tried the whole house brand before, and it just didn't really take off. He didn't have the time to really, you know, do much with it. So when I came on, we started um, coming up with the idea again to, to try it again. And there was a whole joke at the time that, you know, we'd have regulars come in and uh, people would just be like, you know, just regulars, you know, it's like, you know, how you doing or like whatever the question is and, and go fuck yourself was the answer. <laughs> and so at some point we started talking about doing it and I said, you know, I'd love to do the GFY cigar. This is, this is how, like, in my mind, this has transpired. And then I was like, all right, so let's do this. We could do like a really elegant band and, and say like it was the grand, what did I say, grand floor de la Yankee. So you get a little American tie in there, but you have the flower of the Yankee, right? Great. I like it. And then on, on the band, it would just say GFY. So it'd be like an inside joke. What are you smoking? You know, GFY. Yeah. Right. He took it in a, in a better direction and in and, and fun spirits thought maybe we could call it the bs brian and steve but obviously a lot of people think it stands for bullshit 
so we we expanded on that idea we went back originally to casa fernandez at the time uh since then we've parted ways but you know we, we worked with them on coming up with a blend with some of their their best tobaccos and worked with an actual good farm and, and company as opposed to just going with a, a cookie cutter type of a blend right. this was something that this is what we want and we went back and forth and we, we work, went with that then we went down to miami and, and at that time we were doing a line extension with the the bs gold which is what i'm smoking now and we met with eric espinosa because he had been up in columbus for one of our events prior to that and he heard we were coming down he said let me take a crack at what you're trying to do if you don't mind i don't want to step on any toes so we had a great trip down to miami in and out went to casa fernandez went to eric espinosa which i can't speak highly enough about either of them but especially eric and his family you want to talk about hospitality I mean, the whole family was there. They they catered in some of their favorite Cuban food from a local restaurant. Uh, your glass was never even this empty. Yeah. It was amazing. And that's what transpired into the Bia Silver, which is a pepper bomb, all Nicaraguan tobacco. We worked with a friend of ours, Larry Schumann, on the, on the graphics of it all. We did legit bands. This, this stands up to any other cigar out there. Yeah. Um, the B and the S is on, on there as well. You have a, a combination of our family crests, which is you got a cross from his, a Celtic cross. And then you've got a crane, which is my last name, which looking into my history, that's going to be on there. And then you have two things, spirit for his Native American heritage that he's got a, a hint of. And then you have focus on the band, which is one of my mantras, as you know, Pat. I do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then you have some Liberty coins. We put some American Liberty coins on the bottom as opposed to normal coins that you see on the, the cigar bands. And uh, yeah. And then on a lot of our stuff, it says Columbus inspired. So it's been but, a fun but project. I mean, the, the best part of it is it's a great cigar. Right. We've actually made it better. In my opinion, love the guys at Casa Fernandez now Agonor's leave but they kind of parted ways with some smaller projects. So now the gold is actually made by Placencia, which is a, a family that goes back all the way to Cuba. They have yeah. factories in Honduras and Nicaragua. They make cigars for other companies and they also make some cigars for themselves. Now they make our BS gold out of the Nicaraguan factory. And, and what have you, you know, it, it's interesting, right? I, I mean, your, your entire career is based, has been based on, um, you know, smoking and profiling and kind of inventorying other people's cigars. Yeah. Uh, you know, a case in point was, you know, my first visit in there and, and everybody's first visit because that's just the, you're, you're a service-minded person, right? Um, but when, when you go to create your own cigar and, you know, Matt Booth and I actually just spent, you know, quite a bit of time talking about this same thing. You would thing know even better, obviously. You know, how how do you how do you go about creating your own cigar like do you just create your your personal favorite thing to smoke or or do you keep in mind what will sell the most and try to find that middle ground or 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 what i think that um there's a couple ways to do it and i don't know what matt I'm, i gotta listen to what you know i gotta read that article with matt is, is the magazine the first one with him is it out july 4th july 4th all right that's something to look forward to here um but i've met matt before and just one of the the, the sharpest individuals i've ever met and now i know you know that but when it comes down to it I, I think there's there's two sides of it i think you need to you need to like it if your name's on it you you need to stand by it 
but it is what's going to sell. I mean, unless you are independently wealthy, which some of these guys are, uh, based on other businesses, they can do whatever the hell they want. You know what I mean? But for us with it being our, our shop's best seller, this is something that the first one BS gold, even when we switched to Placencia, it was the fact that this is a, a mild smokers can smoke it. Full body smokers can smoke it. It's not overpowering for most and it's not too light for most. So this is something that, um, it, it's got a lot of flavor. The gold does the second right. one, the second one, the, the BS silver, even Eric Espinosa himself, when he smokes it and Hector, who, who's the head blender slash operations guy. He's, he's, he's fantastic. They always smoke someone when they come in, you know, from the batch or whatever. And, and, and when Eric smokes it, he's just like, fuck man, this is pepper bomb, man. Like yeah. even he, who makes, you know, he makes several, like a huge portfolio been in the industry for years. Right. And he even smokes the PS silver. He's like, fuck man, this is a pepper bomb, man. I don't know. I, I can't smoke this every day. <laughs> That's okay. The BS gold is our, our big, you know, like everyday seller, the BS silver. If you like it, you fucking love it. And if right. you're like, you smoke and you're like, well, I, I was sneezing constantly. I was retrohaling and I was just like, just this pepper, black pepper was coming through. I was like, yeah, that's, that's what's supposed to, supposed to do. Yeah. yeah. So you, we make it because we like it and we think that it's got some, some, some sellability. And I think it's something that the BS gold is really, if you're going to do it, you need, if you're going to do it for a business, you need, you need people to like it. Sure. And I think that if you're that type of person that, uh, business person that you're like, people needed to like what I like, then you're not going to succeed. You just, yeah. aren't. You, can, so you, can, if, you can, you can sleep well at night. You've done it the way you want to do it, but I mean, you're going to sleep well at night until you need to find another job or another career. I mean, this is just <laughs> the way it works. It reminds me of, you ever seen Joe dirt? Yeah. You remember that scene where he comes up on the fireworks stand and I forget the character's name in there, but all he does is smell or sell, uh, uh, the, was the black snakes and sparklers. Cause that's all he likes. Yeah. Can't do that. <laughs> Not what you like is what the consumer likes. Right. So what, I, I mean, I obviously anything like that, you know, I mean, you know, choosing a blend for the cigar that carries your name um, for the first time, it's got to be a little bit overwhelming. And certainly now, you know, it's been out for several years. Yeah. Um, what, what, have, what have you learned um, through the process and kind of what's next um, you know, there's silver and gold, you know, is, is the, the platinum, you know, 10 year celebration coming out or what? We are passively working on a third blend. Um, again, being small guys and it's really at the shop and then we have a few other shops that carry it and, and we do get orders for it. We like to get more. It's cash flow issue, man. When you're, when you're a smaller shop, I mean, you know, Matt Booth is on a different level, not to keep bringing him up to it, but it is when you're working with different companies, when they're producing cigars for themselves and other other companies, they can't just like push you ahead of everyone. Right. So you, you need to have like these regular orders and it may not seem like a whole lot, but it's like when you're ordering, you know, 6,000 cigars at a time, you know, right. that's, that's, that's small compared to the, the people that are ordering 60,000 cigars at a time. So right. it's all a pecking order. Right. Uh, so what we learned was with, with Agonorsa leaf now, and again, all respect to them, we were getting inconsistencies on the golds. We get one order in and it's like, oh, this is beautiful. And we get another order in and like all of a sudden they're cracking, they're they're blowing up, they're plugged, whatever. And it's like, we're giving feedback and eventually we became the problem child. Right. Where it's just the small 
you know, buyer for them. Right. And, and we're blowing up their phone and saying, Hey man, like th- what's going on? This isn't yeah. right. And we had all these issues until, uh, we parted ways with them. I'm not going to tell you the, the details out of respect for them, but it's like, we parted ways with them. And now that we're working with Placencia, consistency is key. You know, brand management is, is so big on consistency. If your name's on it or whatever it is, it's kind of like, you know, you doing this podcast, you doing the publication, you know, one of the big things with the bourbon and BS podcast, I, there's things that I'm very consistent on. And one of the reasons I feel like it doesn't really blow up because there's things I'm not as consistent on because it's a, a third or fifth project that I'm working on that I still have to do on a regular basis. So I get, I get it, get it done. We stream it. We, we have the video out there and it's like, I'll have people hit me up. It's like, Hey, I haven't seen an, an audio you know, podcasts show up in a couple of weeks. And I'm like, that's, I, 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 I lost time. I, I have no time for it. You know, I have to go back and edit it. You know what I mean? It's right. there's those transitions of how do I get it to be a consistent product? And at the same time, not have to rely on other people, but at some point you have to rely on other people. Right. And with, with the BS cigar, it was a big thing is, is the people we were relying on, weren't giving us the consistency and therefore now our name is on it and all it's just it's like right now with any other company in this industry or others there was a a period where if you didn't have a product they thought you as a retailer just couldn't afford it you didn't order it all that stuff and all you're doing is blaming the other guy be like yeah it's on back order right we're in a day and age right now where it's like yeah it's on back order and they look back at you and like what else is you know like what you know everything's on back order exactly so now yeah. it's been justified, but there's a period there where you talk about consistency, you talk about not getting a product, you have your name on it. You even want it to be more consistent because now people are looking you in the eye or you, you back that. And I feel like we've learned the biggest lesson in the fact that when someone lights up a BS cigar or BS gold or silver, they get what they expect. Or even Every better, time. they're blown right. away. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and you said now, did, did I hear you say correctly that it's the best selling cigar in the shop? The BS Gold is our best selling SKU. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, we have, a, we have a great time with it. We have another shop in town that carries it. And we just aren't structured to a point where we are going to make it a regional or national thing if it you know if it grew organically that would be a lot of fun but again you don't want to grow too fast because then you lose the consistency you're that boutique brand where it's like you know they order whatever 10 boxes and the next time they order like hey it's selling great and you're like well it's gonna be six months right and then you, right. you, you lose so yeah no no i love it that's uh I think there's a lot of great lessons. It's one of the things I've, I've admired about you in the shop too, is I think that, I, I think that, I think it's a, you know, a very American thing, you know, quite frankly, that, that we're, we're not known for being patient, right? You know, I, I mean, we, we're, you know, we're, we're the superpower of the world. I mean, we're the strongest, we're the richest, you know, we, we do a lot of great things all over the world, but patience isn't our strong suit. And, uh, you know, when when you have societies and civilization countries like, you know, China and Russia and whatnot that, you know, date back thousands of years and we're telling them what to do with our, you know, 260 some years. It's interesting. And I think that's embedded in our culture. But you guys have always been 
very disciplined and very patient and and you play the long game very very well um pat there was a know. time when i started with uh, brian and uh this is a lot of, like so for anyone listening it, it's something that like yeah we're not like a big you know multi multi-billion dollar company we're not like this is this is that american side of it this is the the grassroots this is the main street it's bigger than that but you know like main street kind of america right it's that that whole thing where when you have competitors open up that was a big thing when i came into the, this business with brian and there were other shops opening up and where it was like this divide in in the the community that was the cigar smokers of columbus and it's since grown and one of the things that he and i talked about was that we need to just keep doing what we were doing before grow on that do more right like learn from it use best practices but it was like don't worry about it we'll get new customers yeah if, if someone wants but, to go to another I, shop, i think it, a lot of people panic in those situations don't they you? do but it's yeah. like that's the, that's that consistency side of it right is that 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 is you talk about the people not being patient that was the we're, we're really really hopefully bouncing back from it and I, I am worried about it but it's that instant gratification you know right. that's a big thing right now um with with everything with every everything being at your fingertips but when business you start up there is that whole thing where it's like you're gonna have to if you do well maybe five years you'll start making money you know, it, yeah. maybe if you're really good or you hit it like three years, it's not like you're going to open up a shop and start selling cigars. You're not going to start selling magazines just because you started doing it. Nope. And, and you have to do things your way in a sense that there is consistency so that people know what they're getting. They, they People buy from people they like and they have to like you. That's the big thing with our, our shop, with what you do with this magazine is that you have a face behind it. You have an identity, whatever it is with the thing you're, you're trying to put out in the world. If you want right. people to buy from you, it's got to be consistent. They got to know what they're getting. And at first, they don't know what they're getting. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I think it's it's just gotten to be such a complicated landscape now because, you know, to to start any business, any venture, any any anything, right? It's it is such a noisy environment, right? Like like everybody and everything is screaming every second, right? Like if if I see a post in my Facebook feed and I go back ten minutes later, I can't even find it because there's been so much more stuff that's come through in the past 10 minutes that it's just like gone forever or maybe that's my my old age no. speaking to my technology aptitude but the uh -huh. same thing with with restaurants or bars or cigar shops or anything it's like oh this is the newest thing but then the second chapter of that challenge is if you can find a way to cut through all the noise and get access to a population to be able to present your case like here's what makes us special please come check us out and they check you out now you're in the second chapter of the challenge which is the complete opposite how do you play the long game in an environment where new is the only thing that matters right new is good for the first buy you're absolutely right right so you go back to the restaurant thing you go into a restaurant food's good right food's fucking amazing right but service sucks. You gonna go back? No, probably not. Food's good at the other place, and you felt like you needed to 
adopt that server because he or she was just such a sweetheart. And, you know, you're like, you're asking them questions. Cause right. it's like, you, you feel it, right. Bartenders right. like, cool. You see them behind there and they're like, you know, the, the server suggests something, the, the tobacconist suggests something and has a conversation with you. Right. Or if you don't want to talk to them, they respect that and they mirror that they, they learn all this stuff. People buy from people they like, right. What you're doing with this, you're, you're, you're behind this. Correct. If I'm not mistaken, we talked about this years ago, it's you're sitting here doing a podcast with some fucking guy in Columbus, Ohio on a cul-de-sac in his garage. And the fact is, is that, you know, you're going to keep doing this. You're not just going to sit back and be like, I've got people to do this. I've got a team. I got, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to be behind the scenes. And I, they are going to like the product. No, now they're going to hear from you. Right. They're going to hear from your team. They're going to hear from this. Now it's not just that editor in chief, you know, like thing that no one right. reads. Some people do. I'm not going to offend anyone. I know it's worthwhile, but they have that, you know, the edit, from the editor type thing. I think it's valuable. If I know who, who you are, when I get this, this month's or this, you know, quarterly ATF, I'm going to open it up and I'm going to be like, what a Pat saying this week. Right. And then right. I might message you because at the bottom of it, you have your Instagram handle, you have your, your email, you have all right. that stuff. I mean, it's, it's, it's simpler than people think, in my opinion. It's literally well, I, putting I, I yourself agree with out you, actually, there. Cause yeah, I, I mean, I think everything has become such a commodity and, and it's, it's become such a race to the bottom that it's opened up this opportunity that, if you just give a shit, you're, you're now different. And, and people are willing to pay more and take more time and go more out of their way for that experience because I, I think it's just part of the human condition that we want to be respected. We want to feel special. You know, we, we want to you know, do business with people that we like. Yeah. And, 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 you know, just everything's become, you know, Fucking, you know, not, not that there's anything wrong with Walmart. I mean, they're, you know, or, or Amazon or whatever, you know, I, I mean, fine. But, you know, it, they, they, Walmart, <laughs> you bring up Walmart, you're absolutely right. From a core, Walmart is, is Walmart, right? But if you go into your local Walmart and you have a bad experience, fuck that place. I'm going to go to Meyer. I'm going to go to whatever, whatever's local to you, right? I'm going to go to another superstore. Right. And I'll find whatever it is and it'll be around the same price. But if I go into a Walmart near me and even the greeter at the door is memorable, right? The cashier is memorable. I'm walking in an aisle and someone walks up and be like, Hey, what are you looking for? And you tell them, you're like, I, uh, have you had this? Yeah. Now you're, you're sitting there. You're like, I'm at a Walmart and people care about what right. I'm doing here. You're going to go back. Yeah. Like even at the large level and what's happening, I think right now, We've gone down a tangent, haven't we? Um, what's happening right now is that it's, I think it's more about the leadership, whether it be middle management, lower management, whatever it is, it has to trickle down to the point that the people on the floor, when I have that experience with them, they don't care about what right. I'm buying. They're not getting commission. They're getting their hourly wage, whatever it is. But if they hate their job, it's not necessarily, it could be things outside of work. It could be the people above them, but there is this, this innate thing that I think that we have lost big time in this country, especially that 
you represent the company that you're working for. Yes. Whether you're the owner, whether you're the manager, the CEO, the frontline staff, you're the janitor, you represent that and you need, you should take pride in that. So I when I, when I, I have a friend that, uh, he's in retirement, right? He works, uh, three days a week, whatever at home Depot or Lowe's or whatever the big, whatever one it is. I'm not going to say which, but it's like one of the big hardware stores. Right. And he he's retired. He knows his shit, you know, all that stuff. He's saying people they are getting hired in with very little training and they give the, the vest or whatever else. And they just start floating the floor as someone that's not really a, a home remedy guy. If I'm going to go in there, like I remember walking into a, um, again, Home Depot or Lowe's or one of the big boys or whatever. And I was looking for the, you know, my, my toilet handle broke, right? So it breaks. So I go into this big fucking warehouse. All I need is a toilet handle with an art universal should yeah. be simple, right? So I'm walking up, I can't find anyone. So I'm walking up and down the aisle. I'm not a contractor. So I didn't, I've, I've been there, but I don't know where everything is. Find the toilet section. I'm walking up and down the toilet section. I'm like, oh, these are just toilets. I don't need a toilet. I just need a, I need an arm. I need a handle. Yeah. So I'm walking up and down. I look at this, this, this whole thing. No one, no one around. And this is why, because what, what this person's telling me is they're still doing this is that they just hire people and they don't yeah. train them. There's no leadership. They're just like, right. and people are like, oh, people don't want to work. You don't want to fucking train them. Right. So I'm looking up and down. And I, I finally see, I, hey, hey, I'm looking for a, a toilet handle. I'm literally doing this. People that are on the audio, I'm like, like they don't know what a toilet, they never used a toilet before. I'm like, literally like, you know, the thing that, yeah, you know, when you thing. flush it, yeah. you, you took a piss, you took a shit. And like, I need to like get it down into my plumbing. Right. I'm like over explaining this thing. And they're like, let me let me find Bob. I'm like, Bob. Who's you Bob? Know what I'm talking about? I I don't know where they're at. Is what I what this person told me. It was in like two aisles down, not near the toilets or anything. And it's like, well, not only is this poorly organized, but now you, you there's no training. And yeah. I think that's a big part of it. There was no identity with what you're doing with your your waking hours. You go into work and you're just like, well, I'm just here. It's, uh, you know, whatever, 6.30, I get off at, uh, you know, 4.30, it's only noon, God. Right? And they're just like avoiding people at this point. Like, I, yeah. no one talked to me because I don't know what time. I'm doing. Please don't ask me a question that I don't know the answer to. It's a joke. So, you know, this, this is actually like a perfect segue into, um, you know, you, you, what we're going to wrap up with is, is your, your bourbon and BS podcast. So, yeah. you know, these are, um, this is exactly the conversation that, that I hoped we would have, which is, is that right? um, aimless and, oh, thank you. and, and, and all over the place and yet deeply meaningful and revealing yeah. of, of character and values and, um, and, and things that used to happen in America all the time, right? Yep. Um, guys literally used to hang out in the bar or the barbershop and, and have these kind of conversations. And I yeah. think it made them better men because we, we had the opportunity to bounce these thoughts off people and learn from each other and everything. And now no, not only does nobody want to learn, nobody even wants to hear anybody else's opinion because it's going to be a fight. Yeah. Um, so you, you started um, the bourbon and BS 
podcast, which it's almost like you named the cigar BS just so that you could have a podcast named BS. So, um, yeah. So tell me about it. So the bourbon and BS podcast is something that, again, much like the BS cigars, it's something that we do with very um, modest goals. If, if it ever takes off, great, and we can put more effort into it. But the biggest thing is about putting out that consistent product we're talking about. I had a buddy, Jake Sanders, um, who was much younger than me, and he was trying to find his way, and he was working different jobs. And uh, one of those ended up being part-time at the Tinderbox at Easton. And he was working for another company who's local but very successful in the fitness industry. And one of the things that he had helped work on was the videography of a podcast. And so he wanted to do his own. So one of those things that, you know, he's like, I want to do a, a, a and he was big into bourbon, right? Big, like everyone is now. Right. Everyone's into it. And there's a million podcasts, million YouTube channels about reviewing bourbon. Right. And everyone's an expert, right? As you know. So he's like, I want to do a bourbon and, and cigar podcast where we review bourbon and cigars. And I said, Oh, that'd be fun. What are you thinking? And he's like, yeah, we do it like weekly, blah, blah, blah. And this was, it was like an infancy of an idea. And I said, well, I'm listening to a lot of podcasts that I really enjoy that have a little bit more of the, the life stuff. You know what I mean? It's, it's more of entrepreneurship. It's relationship stuff. It's, it's basically what you get at the end of once you've talked about what were you talking about? Like why, when you go into cigar shop, why do you like, how do we talk to these individuals? And we said, you, right. you're in it. So you've already talked about, Hey, what are you smoking? What do you think right. of it? I've had that. I haven't had that. And then you get through the next topic of whatever it might be. If you are at a cigar bar, and you're, what are you drinking? You, like, oh, I'm drinking right now. I'm Russell's reserve. Yeah, I've had, that's great. Where do you go from there? Especially right. if you're hanging out with your, your, your friends, your, your boys, your, you know, if you have couples over at your house, you know, you try to steer clear of politics. Like we've talked about, right. You're drinking in a bar. You're, you're fixing the world. You're fi Like someone has something going on and they want to talk about it, but they don't want to talk about it. But eventually it comes out at the right. end of the night. So I told Jake, I said, I'll do it, but I, I'm not going to do another just bourbon and, and cigar podcast. I, I want to have, a second part and it's going to be a life thing. Yeah. And, um, for a while there, he and I kind of battled back and forth because, you know, he was in his early twenties, didn't have a whole lot of, a lot of life experience. So he didn't know what to, to do with it. I had been through, been, you know, several positions in a career, got fired, married and divorced, um, bought a house, moved out of the house after the divorce. Like all, like I, I'm not saying I'm the most like well-traveled man, but it was like one of those things I'm like, again, sociology degree behind that. I'm like, I, I can talk a bit about some of this stuff and you can contribute. And then we have guests every week. Right. He's since left town. He he's the um, general manager at burn by Rocky Patel in Indianapolis, which is their newest location. So he, he has basically catapulted from part-time at a, uh, a Columbus right. shop and doing a podcast and making connections. And now he's the GM of, a big time cigar bar. That's so awesome. these are the things that the community can bring to you. And so I've continued that and we've really harnessed a lot of that. And uh, we, we stream live on Facebook every week, which they continue to, as, as you probably know, 
change their algorithms and who sees it, who gets notified. We went from three to 5,000 views a week overnight to pushing a thousand. And we're still struggling to get that. We have a YouTube channel that we don't really push. We have it on the audio, as I mentioned, that I try to keep updated. But the big thing about the podcast is, is that we review a cigar and a whiskey every week. And then we try to have a guest, whether it be a a whiskey guest, you're our guest this week coming up. So Wednesday night around 7.30 Eastern time. Uh, you know, Pat, you're going to be on here on the Bourbon and BS podcast. It's it's truly what we're doing. It's it, You talk about a little bit of structure on the cigar and the whiskey. We review it. We drink it. We smoke it. We talk about it. What we know about that part of it. If we have a cigar guest, Eric, like I said, Eric Espinosa has been on it. We've had some distilleries on there. We, we have these people that are experts. So it's more cigar heavy or it's more bourbon heavy. And we learn a lot about that history. And then we review it. We're just like, oh, it's great. That's like an hour. <laughs> and then we come up with somehow a life topic every week. This week will be more of an interview with you, you know, the ATF podcast. And we've had just some great conversations where all we really hope for, and I know it's really a modest goal, is that someone, whether they are sitting here in the garage, like I've everywhere from like zero people to over 10 people sitting here live in my garage, uh, depending who's on and who's in town. And we have people in the audience. We stream it live. So it's interactive. Right. We have people actually commenting as we're doing this. We try to bring that conversation into it. It's very community-based. And when we get to the second part of it, it's that life topic. And it's different every week. And it's been a very successful podcast once people listen to it. Right. That's right. the fun part about it is that we'll have people either message or they'll come into the shop in Columbus, Ohio. and like, yeah, I listen to your podcast all the time. I'm like, I've never seen this person before in my life. That's and amazing. that's the fun part about it. Yeah. Yeah. And we're very raw. It is live. Like you're going to go back and edit this. I break <laughs> it up, but I don't take out the, uhs, the ums, the, you know, I, well, I edited one time. It's because it was a friend of mine who's a very successful business person. And we got to this point in part two and it got to that drunken conversation where I was like, Oh no, 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 no. I know what you're saying, but, but, but what I'm saying is, and this one for like 10 minutes and I'm like, oh, Man, no. I'm cut that off. Yeah. Save, save him from himself. See, that, that, see, you're a good man. Well, I was also drunk. I was the guy who was going back and forth with, and I listened to it the next day. Oh God. You know what? I, um, yeah, this is exactly the reason why I want to have you on. Yeah, I mean, number one, I've I've always, from the first time I met you, I've, I, I held you in very, very high regard. I, I respect the hell out of, you know, not just what you've done, um, but the way you live your life and the person that you are. I, I mean, you're, Appreciate that. you know, you're, you're a true good-hearted American. And, uh, and, you know, that isn't, you know, it's too bad that, you know, you immediately start thinking politics when somebody makes a statement like that. But that's what we should all be, right, is is serving something more than ourselves. And I think that um, it's something that we have in common is we're, we're both just servant personalities. Like we actually get pleasure from serving others and, and making their lives better, like, right? So... Yeah. You know, I've, I've never been that guy that's like, oh, you know, honey, you know, see, uh, 
see you next week. I'm going off with the boys. You know, it's a, it, it, because honestly, like I just, I feel guilty, right? Like my yeah. job is to serve my family. And, 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 you know, when I signed up to do these things, so, you know, you, you are always that, and it's evident from everything that you do, um, that, that you're a servant and, and, you know, you, you want to improve the things around you. And, and that's what I love. You know, you mentioned something and, and I, I've thought about it ever since you said it is, you know, you said, oh, you know, we're just a little shop, you know, and, um, you know, that there's a lot of bigger shops and a lot of these bigger shops do a lot of bigger things and everything else. And it's like I told you before we, we started taping is, you know, certainly, you know, this publication, like the many other publications that we do, we always have the opportunity of who we who we choose to work with. And, and there's always those 800 pound gorillas, you know, with with, you know, huge corporate departments and huge corporate budgets, um, you know, that also try to use all that in my, you know, these are my words to 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 buy your soul, you know, to get you to compromise your own mission and uh, and your own values in exchange for the check they're going to give you. And, and, you know, we've always vowed now. We're going to focus on on the values and the people that are actually serving their environment and serving their customers and their clients. And you guys do that. And you are the reason why we're doing this magazine is, you know, this is an American lifestyle magazine and it's stories about the American dream. And and you guys are living it. So, you know, my my hat's off to you guys. I, I think the world of you and what you guys are doing and uh, and certainly we're going to do everything that we can um, to leverage our audience, to push them your way, to help more of your American dreams come true. Because you guys are doing it right. You're the good guys, and the good guys always win in America. Appreciate that. Vice versa, absolutely, as you know. So, um, so you know, I encourage everybody to, uh, you know, certainly book a trip to uh, Columbus, Ohio, uh, right around March 17th. And uh, and take advantage of, uh, of of truly one of the best times you can spend anywhere, which surrounded by truly the best people in America. Um, but stop by the shop, uh, check out the uh, the the BS cigar line, which is amazing, and especially uh, you know sign up and listen to Steve and his gang talk about you know the meaningful things of life. I, I guarantee you're going to walk away a better person um having shared some time with these guys and and what i love about the podcast is that uh you know it kind of relieves some of that homesickness of getting to hang out with you guys on a regular basis in the shop so yeah, we uh, have a good community there yeah if i could no i mean doubt. if you if you you know if for those that are on facebook um <clears throat> or youtube we're gonna have pat on this wednesday night right so it's going to be uh around 7 45 p.m eastern time and uh, there's a good opportunity that if you follow, if I could plug the Bourbon and BS podcast and also the Bourbon and BS community page, which we're about not huge, but it's like 1500 members strong plus, And it's like an extension of that. But there's been a lot of people that and I'm not even kidding. They don't necessarily not all the members uh, smoke cigars. They don't all drink bourbon. It's yep. truly a community that's an extension off of, I think, both part one and part two of the podcast. And I think that's where, you know, Pat, you and I have connected over the years is that it's not always about 
what our first interaction was, which is what, what is the cigar you're smoking? What do you like? What do you, you know, what do you don't like? What it, it's the same thing with the drinks, you know, like you look at the ATF thing, you know, you can disagree about your firearms too. What you think is the best, you know, handgun, what do you think the sure. best, you know, for this purpose is what the best bourbon is. If you don't even like whiskey, you know, you, you don't really even smoke cigars. There's value to having those conversations with people. And I think that's really what opens it up. And I think you're going to really enjoy hearing uh, our podcast with you on it here this Wednesday. I can't, I can't wait. Well, listen, I, I appreciate it, brother. You have any uh, words of wisdom in, uh, in closing other than, uh, we should all focus more. <laughs> I agree with you that you should do what you love. And it doesn't necessarily mean that with your, your work that, you know, if you, if you, all you do is smoke cigars, you need to be in the cigar industry. Sometimes you need to be able to do a job that can afford your, your hobby or your lifestyle. Right. So there is something with that, but you have to have pride in that. And I think that whatever you do with your, your waking hours, I hope that everyone has pride in that. And, and like I said, even if you do what you love, it's going to become a job at some point. I mean, yeah. that's, that's a summary that I think that is, is people jump ship, whether it be if they're working a job they used to love and all of a sudden it's not becoming that we'll figure out what are the reasons why it's not becoming that. Is it the job or is it something else? I think that we talk about on our podcast a lot is like relationships as well. If you have a good relationship, you know, you're with someone, you have a friend that is like seeing eye to eye with you all the time. And you feel like this is like your best friendship. You married your best friend, all that stuff. Give it time. It will also become a job. <laughs> you will learn from your mistakes. And sometimes you do have to step away and have to take a different path. But as long as you continue to learn, you keep opening yourself up to that. I think that is something that you will, you'll, you'll create tremendous value for yourself and others. If you do that in an honest way and not a selfish way. I love it. I love it. All right, brother. Well, listen, I appreciate it. I think you've, you've probably lost 15 pounds just during the course of this, uh, for those of you, I, I'm not like sweating because I'm like sitting here like drunk. It's because I, you're so nervous about this call, I'm sure. I'm not nervous at all. It's still, uh, <laughs> it's still reading 90 degrees here. Good Lord. Oh, at 7 p.m. All right, brother. Well, well, listen, I appreciate you. Uh, I encourage everybody to check it out. Check out the, uh, the podcast and all the other great things Steve and Brian are doing in uh, Columbus, Ohio. And uh and thanks for being a good American and just all around good guy. We're actually going to grill steaks tonight, just so you know. God bless it. I've seen some posts. Those aren't those aren't steaks, man. Those are those are half cows that you throw on that. That's grill. right. Only That's in right. America. All right, buddy. Thank you <laughs> so much. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the ATF podcast. To find more episodes like this one, visit atflifestyle.com slash ATF dash podcast. And if you haven't already subscribed to ATF Magazine, visit atflifestyle.com slash subscribe and subscribe today.